When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are tuning in from in the world. This is another episode of ATP, ATP Weekly, and I'm your host, Vonch. And uh, joining me today is our wonderful guest, uh, first time on this show, uh, tennis now contributor, tennis writer, Eric Gudrisk. Eric, wonderful to have you on ATP Weekly. We're talking tennis. Thank you for, ha thank you for having me. Yeah, so um, obviously, uh, great week on the ATP Tour. We had three main events, but... You know, the event that we're going to be focusing on here is obviously the ATP 500 in Washington, D.C., the City Open uh, by Mubdala. And, uh, you know, for the first time, this was a combined event. And, uh, you know, you, have, you, had the, you had the awesome experience of being on site and uh, being there in person. So how, how was that like? Just, you know, given that this is the first time both the men and the women were competing together, we had some fantastic matches and storylines. Yes. Yeah, so, um, yeah, it was a great experience, of course. Um just a little clarity. So this was the first ever ATP and WTA combined 500 event because of course last year the event, uh, the WTA event from Silicon Valley was moved to DC. DC had had a women's event uh, prior to that for several years. It was at a different tier. So this was the first time that we had a combined ATP WTA 500 event, which meant on the women's side, there were definitely more higher ranked players uh, in the women's draw, which was great to see. Uh, and of course, on the men's side, again, DC has been a, one of the longest running um, men's event on the tour. So certainly a lot of history, uh, certainly a lot of players enjoy coming to DC to get the, the hard court swing started in North America, despite the, the hot and humid conditions. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was a great week. Uh, of course, a very uh, unexpected week, of course, lots of surprises, uh, but overall it was a great experience. Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I guess if we can jump right ahead to the tennis, uh, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned surprises and obviously, uh, you know, the champion at the end, Dan Evans, 
uh, who's now at a career high of 21 in the world, he came into this week, you know, and he hadn't had good form. All um, he had one semifinal showing in Barcelona, which really kind of stands out when you looked at his season coming into this week. He was he was eight and 18 on the ATP tour. Some challenger matches in there in Surbiton as well. Um, but you know, you certainly if you had told him at the start of the week, you'd be lifting the ATP 500. You know, and basically all your points from last year's Montreal event would be would be defended and more. Mm-hmm. I think he would certainly sign up for that. And he played spectacular tennis throughout the whole week, you know, beating the likes of Tiafo and then, um, you know, backing that up with a nice win over Grigor Dimitrov. And then also, uh, you know, in the final, and he didn't drop a set in any of those three matches and just, mm-hmm. you know, the fantastic shot making. And he's just such a treat to watch when he's, when he's in that kind of zone and playing so well. And what was your kind of takeaway from it, you know, watching that unfold? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I felt like as, when the week started, I felt like the event was wide open, essentially. I felt like any number of players had a chance just based on the draw. And like you said, I don't think anyone, including Evans himself, was expecting Tim to go all the way and take the title. I, I think, as he said after the match, he said he'd been putting in the effort uh, on the practice court and it was showing on the practice court. It just wasn't translating uh, in matches. And this week, everything clicked for him. Uh, Of course, it's great to see he's such a, as you said, he's such a fantastic player to watch when he's fully on. And I feel like uh, it was just those last few matches, defeating Tiafo, of course, in the final, he played really clean tennis, didn't have a lot of unforced errors for the last couple matches. So, uh, just credit to him and it's great to see him playing uh again at a, at a high level and again when he's playing at a high level he is he is very very difficult to beat for for any player and he's proving he can play uh not just top 20 t- tennis but top 10 level tennis when he when he's fully on yeah absolutely and you know you you know we already touched on this but kind of the all-court game you know the the fantastic net play, the the great backhand slices, which put so many of his opponents in in awkward positions, and just kind of the craftiness and serving and volleying at times as well. And I just, uh, you know, watching somebody have such proactive footwork to create the kind of forehands and aggression on the court, you know, it's this kind of old school's classical brand of tennis that's, uh, you know, when it's all kind of put together and all the ingredients are, you know, uh, solidified, it's. Uh, you know, it, it, it's such a treat, and you could kind of see the the momentum building from match to match, and he just kept getting better as the week went went along. And you would have expected, you know, maybe there'd be some kind of a blip. Maybe he'd he'd feel more nervous serving it out, especially when Greek sport put him under pressure and created break points for the first time in the final. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, he he had some tremendous composure, and he was able to he was able to close it out. And you know, I was I was impressed because obviously biggest title of his career, and at 33 years old. Uh, do you think he can kind of build on this moving forward? And is he kind of one of the players to be looking out for um, at the U.S. Open? Uh, definitely. We'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, I, like any player will say, even if they're having, they're having a tough season, as long as they can have one good week or two good weeks, uh, that, totally, that can totally change not just the season, but their career. And uh, these players, they, they as Evan said, he felt like he could play at this high level. It just wasn't happening this season, and it just all kind of clicked this week. So moving ahead, of course, he's going to have a lot of confidence going into the rest of the hardcore events in North America. And certainly now that he's at a, at a new high ranking, uh, he's definitely going to be someone uh, at the U.S. Open that 
uh, none of the top players want to see on their his side of the draw because, like you said, he's such a crafty player. Uh, he feels he belongs on the court with anybody. And um, so, yeah, he's definitely going to be someone to, to keep an eye on at the Open, depending kind of where he lands in, in the draw. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, you know, looking at the finalists as well, Talon Greekspor uh, from, the, from the Netherlands. And this is a guy who won eight challenger titles in, in 2021. And he's kind of, you know, having a mid-career surge, like some of his other, some of the other players we see kind of born in the same year, year as him, like Christopher Eubanks. And, you know, we saw like, for instance, Lloyd Harris a couple of years ago. And, uh, you know, just uh, the way he was able to get through Taylor Fritz uh, in that semifinal, particularly from the middle of the second set to the end of the match. He just really caught this this purple patch and just such powerful ground strokes. And he was really, uh, you know, especially against players who, like, for instance, in the final, you know, he was playing a guy who was not giving him any rhythm and who was mixing the pace up and who was really, uh, you know, with that crafty style, kind of being a disruptor on the court. But we saw him against Fritz kind of go toe-to-toe, power for power. And mm. it was really kind of, uh, it was really impressive to watch. And it really took Fritz by surprise. Yes, absolutely. Um, and even after that that match, Fritz, uh, you know, said afterwards in his press conference, he said he felt like he didn't play a bad match. It's just that Talon kind of took that match out of his hands down down the stretch, as you said. And uh, I was impressed uh, with with Talon's variety on on the backhand. Uh, certainly, he's got the two handed backhand, but he has a great slice. And that one at one point, he had a great winning lob with a one-handed backhand over Taylor up at the net. So that he's definitely got some variety as well. And uh, he's been, as you said, he's been building a, a great season the last couple of years. And um, I think he's, for, I guess, the casual tennis fans, he may be someone a little bit off the radar, but now he's certainly announced himself as someone, again, someone to watch at the Open as well, because he's definitely probably going to be seated there. And uh, he, he now feels like he belongs with the best players and he's just building this great season. So again, another player to kind of keep an eye on in the draw when they get to New York. Yeah, for sure. Ghosty in the chat is mentioning he won Pune at the start of the year and also won Hurtagen Bosch and, you know, three finals on a, on a season like this, you know, he, he quite, he's quietly becoming one of the 20 best players in the world uh, as far as 2023 is concerned. But uh, to talk more about but kind of our top two seeds, of course, Fritz and, and Tiafo. This was kind of a moment for them to, you know, get to the final again and kind of kind of show why they are the two best players uh, in American men's tennis. And for Fritz, obviously, you know, uh, he, he he won Atlanta and he was in he was in pretty decent form. And Greek Sport obviously was able to break him, I think, three times, which was more than any other more than uh, Taylor got broken in any of his matches combined. And that includes Atlanta as well. What what's kind of your big picture takeaway on Fritz and his North American? hardcore swing so far, of course, you know, keeping in mind also that, you know, I think he's really, really wants to get a, a good showing at the U S open, of course, now, because he's been doing so well on tour and one of the most consistent players and, you know, inside the top 10 for a reason, but his last four slam results have been rather disappointing. And I think he'd be the first to admit it. Mm -hmm. uh, so what's kind of your, your outlook on where Fritz is at? Uh, definitely. So, I mean, so far so good, especially heading into the US Open. Of course, he won Atlanta. And um, I was actually surprised that he got as far as he did in DC, because it's, it's hard to kind of continue that momentum, even just physically, you haven't won it, you've played a tournament all week, now you're coming into another tournament, and it's kind of hard to keep that uh, momentum going. But 
he did very well. Uh, of course, ran into Talon. Um, but again, like he said, he, he didn't play necessarily a, a bad match. So he's got some positive to take away from there. Um, you know, with him, I think it's just once he kind of gets up against like the, you know, the Djokovic's uh, Alcaraz, that's kind of where, you know, we're going to kind of see where he really is because he certainly has the, the tools to make a deep run and a slam. I think for him, it's more in some ways taking some of the, just taking some of the pressure off himself and just like playing and enjoying the moment. Um, kind of on the flip side with Tiafo in DC this week, of course, he was the local favorite. He really wants to win his hometown event. Um, I just, again, I think there may have just been a little bit too much expectation on, placed on himself by himself and just fans wanting him to really to, to, to win DC and maybe one day he will. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see how Tiafa kind of handles all the expectations placed on him last year at the U.S. Open, coming coming back into the U.S. Open, defending all those points. And certainly he's a, a fan favorite, especially in the United States, someone that really loves to engage with the crowd. And he's going to have to sort of, again, manage those expectations that he places on himself uh, and the fans place on him to, to make a deep run. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I... I guess to touch on to touch on going back to Fritz for a second, you know, he played a he played he was one of the players that had to play two matches in one day, of course, with the round of sixteen and the quarterfinals, and you know, one of those matches was a was a top billing match against Andy Murray, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, Murray, of course, you know, kind of building on building on his good showing at Wimbledon, um, but comes up just a little short again against a top ten player, and he's obviously been playing extremely, you know, you know, much much kind of. Emboldened tennis, we saw him play a lot more offensive, particularly in that first set against Fritz, where he where he really took it to him and hit I think like twenty four winners and came back from a breakdown. And you know you got to see kind of what still makes Andy Murray so good with all of his variety and the way he was able to to disrupt Fritz and just a lot more aggressive outlook. And uh, you know he just kind of played a, a a poor game at four all in the third set, and that's kind of what it came down to. In the end, and he had some he had some chances, and kind of like he he did against Tsitsipas. I mean, he's you know on the one hand you can look at it as oh you know this is kind of a, a positive he's at a better level than what his ranking would indicate at number forty in the world, but I don't think he's he's happy with that at this stage of his career, especially you know he knows he the clock is kind of ticking and he doesn't have as much time left, and I think he's kind of just fed up of these moral victories and just wants to uh, you know wants to actually get the one get the one big run and, you know, prove to himself that he, he's still at the very top of the game. And uh, so where do you think he kind of, he kind of goes from here and, and builds on it and maybe tries to get himself seated for the U S open, of course. Right. Yeah. He's uh, Murray spoke about that after his loss to Fritz saying, you know, where he, you know, he lost to Fritz badly and, and last year in Canada and easy straight sets. So, and he admitted after that match last year, that he felt like he was in a bad place. So this year, losing to Fritz, well, he could take the positives away that it was a close match. But at the same time, he said he was frustrated that he's lost a lot of these close matches, like the one he did against Tsitsipas, that, that was, that's what he's known for in his career, getting grinding through these tough matches. And it's just not happening. He's close, but not getting over the line. And that's his biggest frustration right now. And... I think it'll be interesting to see kind of, you know, how he does the rest of the, the hardcore events leading up to the U.S. Open. 
Certainly he wants to get seated, but he wants to get seated at the open so he can avoid a top player first round. But he's going to have to find a way to somehow grind out these, these close losses into close wins to get to, get to that, uh, that rankings and get a seating. So that's, he, he wants it. Like you said, he wants it, but it, it, he's going to have to figure that out. And that's going to be fascinating to watch the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, well said. And of course, uh, you know, I want to circle back to something you mentioned earlier, which is, you know, Tiafo being a fan favorite, someone else who is a, a big fan favorite and, you know, is enjoying himself uh, his first proper season on the ATP tour is Ben Shelton. And he, of course, won the doubles and, you know, he, He's on a bit of a losing streak at the minute and not closing out a lot of these these matches as well. But where's where's kind of your outlook on on Ben Shelton right now at this stage of a, of the career? Is this just kind of your typical uh, sort of you have one big run and you know you you know more players are kind of scouting you and the report is kind of out and you kind of have to adjust to the new life of being on tour every week and playing each event for the first time and. You know, because he's obviously got tremendous potential with the skills that he does have with the big serve and the huge forehand and the great, you know, net play. But he also has some some holes that he's certainly trying to work on right now with the with the rally tolerance and the return of serve and the backhand. You know, I just think, uh, yeah, we should probably allow him a, a bit more time to hone these these kind of areas. But uh, he's he's certainly one that a lot of people are talking about. Absolutely, and, and I, I think you, I think you, you said it well. When I think for him, it's essentially it's an adjustment period. Um, it kind of burst on the scene, um, so much expectation, and now he's kind of getting you know fully into the, the swing of the tour. More players know of him, know where his weapons and his weaknesses are, and but I think there's so much upside potential that I think for him, it's just. Uh, just sort of again managing those expectations and just kind of getting adjusted to, to live week in week out on the tour, um, and certainly um, certainly he's got the weapons to 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 catch fire. So I think again it's just uh, I think for him it's just like you said it's kind of an adjustment period this season, and uh, certainly we'll see what happens at the U.S. Open. Yeah, it all just happened so quickly for him because, you know, last year he was winning the NCAAs. He had the big win over Root in Cincinnati and the whole world's attention kind of the end of last season when he went on, when he had all that success at the challenger level. And then, of course, the notable result being the Australian Open quarterfinal. So, um, you know, it's always interesting to see how players do after big runs like that and, uh, you know, managing the kind of the pressure and, and the expectations. And he's still kind of a dangerous you know, outside player for, for any of the top players. And it will be kind of interesting to see him uh, in Canada this week because if he wins that first round against Zapata Morales, you know, we could have that popcorn clash against Carlos Alcaraz, which would which would certainly be a treat to, to watch. Um, but I'm trying to think on the single side, if there are any other names or notable stories that, that kind of stand out to you, maybe some, some players, um, you know, not not as well known, but certainly caught your eye in terms of prospects moving forward at this event? Um, yeah, I mean, I would say one player definitely to keep an eye on is Michael Moe. Uh, he had mm-hmm. uh, that great win over Hercotch. Uh Couldn't quite get it done against J.J. Wolf, but certainly a, a, a positive week for him. A player that's sort of been on the cusp for a while. Um, 
So again, I think um, hopefully he can take some positives away this week from DC and uh, uh, we'll kind of see where, where his game goes from there. Uh, and I'll just, on the flip side, a player that's very well known that I was certainly impressed with, has been impressed with for a while is, is Grigor Dimitrov. I, I mean, I actually thought he was going to yeah. win the tournament just because he was hitting the ball so well um, early on. So I feel like um, he's, he's someone to keep an eye on. I think uh, he's, he's had some really decent results uh, in the last couple of weeks. And, um, you know, when he's really on, of course, he can, can really threaten anyone. So he's, he's someone that, uh, as he said, he's no spring chicken. But uh, I, I would definitely keep an eye on him in the next couple of weeks because I, I just think he's been hitting the ball really well. That's a really good shout. I was actually going to bring him up. He's, uh, you know, he's he's had a lot of, I would say, good losses this year where they've, they've all basically come to the best players in the world. And he's winning about two-thirds of his matches. And I see, uh, you know, just a lot more confident tennis. And, you know, he doesn't seem to, to be kind of having those ups and downs and losing those random matches like he maybe has in the last last few years. And obviously, obviously, as you said, he has serious pedigree, you know, with winning the ATP finals and getting to world number three and, you know, being, being, being kind of one of the members of that other middle generation with Nishikori and Raonic and they ran into the big three, you know, plenty of times. And he's obviously made deep runs at majors before. And, uh, you know, I don't think it would be too much of a shock if he was in the quarterfinals of the U S open or, um, you know, has a deep run in Canada or, you know, since he, so that's a, that's a good shout, uh, to mention him. Um, it was, it was cool to see Monfils as well, uh, you know, winning a couple of matches and he's, he's certainly someone who's at the end of his, more at the end of his career. And, uh, he's, he's still able to pull up, pull off some of these big wins, like the one against Baez and, mm-hmm. and Roland Garros, where he just showed a ton of heart and managed to get over the line and then, of course, I was impressed that he was able to put away Bublik, uh, you know, rather rather comfortably and, mm-hmm. you know, push weeks for as well. So he's he's going to be exciting to watch too. Yes, and I would add about Monfils, I think he's perhaps become a little more businesslike in his matches maybe now that he he's married with Alina Svitolina, they have a family and everything. And, uh, of course, he was the the Bublik match you mentioned. I mean, everybody wanted to see that match, but actually Monfils was actually the, the more business-like in that match, which is hard to hardest to believe, but he, he was. Yeah. So maybe he's now, as you say, he's getting older. He realizes he doesn't have many years left. Uh, maybe he's going to, you know, and of course he's going to thrill the crowd when he wants to, but maybe he learns that he needs to kind of, you know, go a steadier course to win some of these, these matches that he's lost in the past. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, just to kind of take it away from DC for a bit, uh, since this is the U.S., U.S. Swing. Uh, what are you kind of most excited about these these next couple of weeks with the Masters events, and then obviously, yeah, the U.S. Open, and maybe for the rest of the rest of the year. Like, what are some of the storylines that you'll be you'll be looking for as a, as a writer? Sure. Um, so definitely, of course, seeing how Alcaraz kind of adjusts after winning Wimbledon uh, to see kind of how he performs uh, throughout the the hard court season. Uh, Curious to see uh, Djokovic, how he kind of rebounds. Um, and I actually, I mean, of course, Djokovic has been around for so long. I don't know if he necessarily needs a ton of matches heading into the U.S. Open, but we'll see. Um, 
I'm also curious as as far as as Casper Ruud, um, who uh, certainly proved that he he can do well on hard courts, and uh, of course Daniel Medvedev as well. I think uh, he loves the hard courts. Uh, he's probably very happy to be back on them. So again, it's and again Tsitsipas as well. Uh, so I think it's it's those players that we kind of want to see what their what their form is heading into these events, as you mentioned, and then heading into the U.S. Open. Yeah, for sure. For me, it'll be very interesting to see where Medvedev lands when the U.S. Open draw comes out, presumably assuming that he is the number three seed, because it'll be very interesting to see if he lands in Djokovic's half or in Alcaraz's half. And if he does play Alcaraz again, if he's able to make those those kind of tactical adjustments uh, and learn from you know, the Indian Wells matches and Indian Wells and Wimbledon matches, which were which were one-sided because I do think he, he plays Novak quite well and, and tight. And, you know, if, if that's a semifinal and, for instance, we get, um, you know, Alcaraz against Sinner, for example, or something mm-hmm. like that, uh, that w- there, there's just some spectacular possibilities, I think, with the, uh, with the, but I think it all kind of depends on how the draw unfolds. Right, absolutely. Um. But but yeah, and 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 also you know DC. I, I guess something else that came up is uh, really brutal weather and humidity, and you know we saw a lot of a lot of incidents kind of happen in the stadium where you know fans were you know getting ill and it was all heat related and mm-hmm. you know what do you, is this just kind of typical DC weather at this time of the year and how does that kind of affect certain players and was that kind of something people were were talking about on the grounds? Um, well, it's to be expected in DC just because of the weather. I will say that while we, it, while we did have some very hot days, it wasn't a brutal heat that, uh, or humidity that we've had in the past at previous events. Um, so I think that, uh, of course on court, it's, it's much harder than it is in the stadium, but, uh, a lot of the players, um, talked about before the tournament started, they were doing various things training wise to kind of prepare not just for dc but for the rest of north america because it can get very hot i mean andy murray was saying that he was doing bike training in a steam room uh, which is a little unorthodox but i guess it worked works for him so um i think that um i think it'll be interesting to see just because the weather in north america has been uh more extreme um just in general and of course uh there's been these kind of wildfire from Canada and the smoke, the smoke haze issue, which could certainly become an issue at other events in North America, including the U.S. Open. So that's kind of something I don't know how a player prepares for that. I mean, in some ways, it's like Australia when they have their uh, extreme heat down under and they, you know, they have they have the players take a break and things like that. So um I, you know, players can train for it as much as they can. They train in Florida or wherever, but um, it's still kind of a something that's very hard to really prepare for unless you're just used to really super hot weather. So we'll have to see kind of how that all transpires if it does. Yeah, for sure. Someone in the comments is mentioning the Agassi Edinburgh 1995 final where it was over 100 degrees. <laughs> on Yes, on yes. I actually think I briefly saw some of that on youtube the other day and they were all wearing ice towels and everything so yeah, yeah. so dc's been known for having super hot super hot uh 
uh, matches throughout the years. Yeah, well, Eric, this was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, a blast to chat with you for the first time. And what, what's kind of next for you, like, like on the agenda? Uh, like, which events will you be covering, be on site for, and forward to seeing your work? Sure. Um, so I'm um, still a little bit TBD about what uh, tournaments I'll be on site for next, but I certainly will be uh, covering them for uh, Tennis Now with my colleagues over there. So of course, feel free to check out the coverage on tennisnow.com. And of course, you can follow me on what was formerly known as Twitter at my <laughs> handle ATN Tennis. Well, yeah. So there it is. There's our chat with with Eric. Uh, yeah, and you know, thanks thanks a lot for the time, and it was it was great chatting with you. And you know, hopefully we can we can do this again. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right. So it was fantastic to have Eric on. He is a good follow on Twitter so, or X, whatever it's called now. I refuse to call it X. It's, it's Twitter just sounds so much better. But Shrihari, Shrihari is who was producing backstage is now joining me live. How are you? Yeah, friend? I made it a point to change those banners to X, uh, just to <laughs> be up to date, um, whether we like it or not. But uh, yeah, it was great to have uh, Eric with us. And, you know, once again, thank you, Eric. Uh, you know, I think it's his debut for Talking Tennis, if I'm not mistaken, or he might have been here yeah. before, um, but definitely the first time with, uh, you know, you and I here. So... Um, yeah, it was great to get some insight uh, on what the first-hand experience at uh, Washington was because it was pretty eventful week in both the men's and women's. Yeah, for sure. Do you have anything uh, to kind of one, you know, last kind of piggyback off of anything Eric said in, in D.C.? No, I think you all, uh, you know, the two of you covered it pretty well. Um, this is the one thing I wanted to add about Medvedev and Alcaraz. Um, they played a practice set. Medvedev won in the tiebreaker. Um, I, I oh, yeah. think it means nothing because uh, Alcaraz and Chapovalov played a practice set. Chapovalov won. That was in Madrid. And we know what happened when they played in RG. So, uh, yeah. So, basically, I, I didn't watch it. Maybe, I you know, if we got some footage of it, I would like to see it and see what exactly it was that Medvedev did. I, I saw a couple of points. He was on his own serve. He was doing something different. Uh, he was trying to be aggressive. He was trying to uh, you know, uh, rush Alcaraz and approach the net, and you know he's pretty good with those drive volleys, and you know not the best at the net, but he's he has decent hands. Um, so yeah, and I and from what I heard, Alcaraz wasn't wasn't really you know doing much of serving volleys. So I think that also made a huge difference because it's it becomes a no contest when um, you know Alcaraz does that against Daniel, and from what we've seen, I think two matches are good enough sample size there. So yeah. Yeah, of course. I mean, you should have expected something like that, right, Ghost? 
yeah, that's that's just part for the course. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but uh, I guess uh, something that hasn't been part for the course over the last one year is Sitsipas winning a title. Yeah. So he did that in in Los Cabos, uh, winning his first title in, in in 13 months, and you know got through Dimenor, who he has an amazing head to head against. Now 10 and 0, was also his 10th yep. title, uh, and mm-hmm. you know he beat Jari and Chorich along the way, which which kind of stands out. Of course, Isner in the first round too, but uh, yeah, this was yeah, kind of a um, much needed week boost, I would say, for Sitsipas. Yeah, not a easy draw. All things considered, um, tricky for sure because uh, both two players have beaten him multiple times um, and, and have given him a tough time as well. And Chorich, I mean, apart from, I mean, we, we saw something very similar to uh, Sitsipas' last, I want to say, or his two of his three losses to Chorich at the United Cup, where, you know, he, he was close to closing out the match in straight sets and then he's down a break in the third, but then it was important for him to pull it back. And uh, he managed to get it done, um, seven five and third. And since then, really, he's just been dominant. And he won their match in Rome pretty easily. He won their match here also very comfortably. So you know, it's safe to say that there wasn't really a matchup issue per se. I don't think George does anything very specifically that really bothers Sitsipas. Um, but yeah, that, that's sort of um, I, I guess we could see that. Um, and also his match against Jari was pretty impressive the way he, way he came back from a set down and felt like Jari would have closed that out very similar to their match in Halle. Um, that was also pretty good. And uh, yeah, it was never in doubt that he was beating Dominor in the final. Yeah. I honestly don't even think he played his best in the final because Me he, either, uh, yeah. he was up a break in both sets and he just kind of lost focus and gave the break back and then he was able to just break straight away again and because... It's a, it's a nightmare matchup. Like you look at Divinor, he's, you know, he, he has good court coverage. He's fast. He's he's more of a counterpuncher at heart, but he doesn't really have anything to hurt Sitsipas with. Because no, because just, whatever he throws at Sitsipas, it just comes right back with interest. And you know, Sitsipas has everything covered. It's, he 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 really like you mentioned. Like he can't even cause a dent uh, in Sitsipas' game. Like the closest he came to beating him was I think Indian Wells twenty twenty one. And we also know if 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 we had if you people knew the context, there was also around when Sitsipas was experiencing those elbow issues close to yes. the end of uh, 2021, and you know some pretty uh, bizarre performances and losses around that uh, time frame uh, definitely contributed to uh, you know that scoreline was six seven seven six six two for Steph, but yeah, and, and uh, <laughs> um, I would say a, a regular occasion, I just. I always would favor Sitsipas, and we we have enough of a sample size for that. I mean, it's ten and zero. I think, um, aside from maybe three or four other players, I don't even think Steph has played anyone else. You know, as many times, uh, apart yeah. from maybe Novak, Rafa, Medvedev, Zverev, team. Um, or I can't think of any other players played that many times and to be that successful. Um, so. Yeah, that that would help him a lot, and yeah, he wasn't at his best, but he at the same time, I think uh, when when I watched this match against Jari, I just wondered uh, why does he not approach the net off, and he's so good at the net. Why does he never implement that in most of his matches? Um, I mean, you, you've seen that right in, in a couple of matches against Medvedev, all of his matches against Medvedev last year. He won two of them, 
you know, part of part part of the reason was he was so good at the net and just completely cutting off all every any weapon Medvedev could have in terms of the passing shots or you know how well he covers the baseline, the what, what he could hurt Sitsipas with in that matchup. Uh, you know, he did pretty well to curtail all of that. Um, so I just wonder why isn't it something he tries on a regular basis and it also yeah. ha- helps hide that backhand weakness, I would say. Yeah, that's interesting you bring that up. I thought he came to the net a lot more in his other three matches apart from the Jerry match. I think in the Jerry match, he was more content yeah. to stay behind the baseline. He was only he only came to the net nine times in that match in three sets, which is yeah, very low for quite him. Quite a few times towards the end of the second set and you know when he was serving for yeah. the match. So to stay in the um, match. I think twice. a lot of that just had to do with because I think a lot of that had to do with how well Jerry was just playing in the first two sets mm-hmm. and he was like <laughs> keeping Steph on the back foot there was this tie break where he was uh, you know in the first setting where he was up 6-3 and I thought he would, yeah, he would close he out from there. there and then Jari to his credit came up with some spectacular shots but you know you wouldn't expect Tsitsipas to kind of lose from that position and he he did get kind of passive on one or two occasions where I thought he passed an opportunity to, to come forward so that's actually good that you bring that up um, mm-hmm. and then after after that he was just you know, once he was able to get the second set, get the mini break and the tie break, he was just able to wear wear Jari down on the slow hard court. Conditions were were quite slow this whole week. Yeah, it was so hot, so humid. It was like uh, you know 30, 35 degrees at night when they started playing, and most of these matches yeah. were only starting at night. And I I know that yeah. Cabo likes to do that because yeah, I mean the players. It's just kind of the same thing in Acapulco, right? Like the matches they yeah. just. Uh, yeah, it's pretty humid as well. Not, you know, aside from the fact that it's pretty hot. Um, someone who lives here in Dubai can definitely relate to that. It's just brutal uh, at night. I mean, you know, when the Dubai Open itself happens, it's just it's the temperatures are much cooler, and I think that's the best uh, spot in the calendar the tournament can have, uh, all things considered. But still, um, yeah, at night and places uh, like I mean Acapulco and Los Cabos is just known I mean the court itself is slow to begin with and it gets slower during the night regardless of how fast the conditions are and um, yeah and to add to that the humidity and the heat uh, so that's you know not not easy conditions to play in yeah for sure um, I mean other results in in uh, in Cabo I guess uh I mean, you obviously had the rematch of the Acapulco final between Paul and Diminor, and they always play close matches, but Diminor just about edges it every time. I think it's a 5 and one to head off for Diminor, and he came back from 3-1 down in the third. Um, what else? Uh, oh, yeah, Nori lo- losing to Kovacevic in the first round. Yeah, I mean, it was up a set. I think the second set break, I don't know if he had a match one, probably not, but... Um... Yeah, I think two points away, but fairly, right. it was, he came down to the second set tie break, I think, and Six all and Kovacevic. Kovacevic, of course, you saw him make his Grand Slam debut at the French Open where he played Djokovic. Yeah, in the first playing round. Novak in the first round, I remember. Yeah, he's and, definitely another player who's, yeah, because he played college tennis, he turned pro kind of late. And now he's almost 25, but he's um, he's having a good breakthrough year. Yeah. Um, Nori is probably one of these players that needs a, needs a good week, I would say, in leading up to the US Open because his form has been kind of patchy. Ever since yeah. Indian Wells, really, like he just he hasn't had that one great week, and 
has, has been losing earlier than he was in the first three months of the year. Yeah, still around the 12 and 13 mark. But, uh, you know, a lot of that from Rio. Um, yeah. And thinking of where else, he had a big result. Let me, fourth round last year at the US Open. I remember that. Um, semis yeah, in uh, Cincinnati. Beating yeah, took out yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, it's pretty interesting. I, I do think one of these tournaments, he's going to have a pretty good run. He, all, all Almost all of his uh, runs that he's had, the big ones, he, he has managed to cause some upset or the other. Um, so, I mean, even Acapulco last year made the final beating Tsitsipas. And, um, yeah, obviously won Rio beating Carlos. That was a pretty big win because I think one of only, uh, what, four players to beat Carlos this year. So, that's yeah, quite a big deal. Um, but, sure. yeah. Yep. Uh, so, I think that about does it for, for Cabo. Uh, yeah, you want to move on to, to Kitchbu, the last clay court. Yeah, event, uh, I mean, here. a lot to unpack in Kitchbu. Um, especially, you know, if Jethro is here, he'd be beaming to talk about Kitchbu. You know, the finals being two of his favorites, Sebastian Baez and Dominic Team. But yeah. we'll wind back, obviously, from the beginning, because especially with Team, I think every match was a battle um, until the final. He had Facundo. Bagnis in the first round again in this tournament, like he did. Uh, did he play in Gustad or Bastard? Where, where, where was it? I think Umag. Umag, Umag right? Yeah, right. Umag, yeah. yeah. Um, and obviously, he lost to Lehechka uh, in the round of 16 there. But here, you know, he made it all the way to the final and that path, you know, beating. Oh, right from the Bagnis Five set points, eight in the first set, two in the second. Yeah. Both yeah. won both of them in tie breaks. Yeah. And then I yeah, think he got to Rindagnesh. Um no Zhang, Rindagnesh, Jere, and then you know all of them three sets. Uh, I think yeah. um one of them obviously one against Jere was saving five match points, seven, six in the third. <coughs> and um I even tweeted about it saying um last time he made the final was also when he beat a certain Serbian, seven six in the third. Yeah. Um, the similar score line. This was six seven seven five seven six. That was seven seven five six seven seven six. Um, saving twelve break points also, which is pretty was pretty impressive. And you know, n- unsurprisingly, he just didn't have much in his tank for the final. Um, I knew it was going to be either he gets blown out or he, it's going to be another battle, and he's going to give it one last uh, go, and then you know, sort of. Um, Regal out maybe seven six and third again, or you know the crowd gets gets him through to the title, but that wasn't meant to be. And uh, again, Sebastian Baez, who was also having a pretty tough season, even though he won a title earlier this year, um, you know, good for him that he managed to win another title. Um, has not been able to do as well as he would have liked in the big tournaments. So maybe this is. A much needed win, and it'll be interesting to see how he does on the hard courts because we do remember that he played Alcaraz in the first round of the US Open last year. Um, two epic sets, 7 5, 7 5. And when he's moment he's down break in the third, he had to retire, um, you know, due to injury, and that was unfortunate. So we know that he can take it to the best players. Took Zverev to five sets at RG last year from two sets up. Um, 
and also troubled Tsitsipas um, significantly when they played at the Australian Open. I want to say third round. Um, it was second or third round. So, yeah, we know that he plays pretty well against his top. And not to mention he took a set of Rude in Hamburg when they played the opening round. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, this is one of those runs that you hope uh, would propel team into the top 50 by the end of the year. And he can something, again, something that he can actually build on because, you know, we've had some results like this before, particularly at the end of last year, indoors, where he made a couple of semis, beat players like Harkach and Sarundalo and had a close match against Korda and just kind of thought that he was building some more week-to-week kind of consistency and the forehand was back. But then he had this long off-season, shut it down after losing to Medvedev in Vienna, I think. And then, um, you know, and then had a tough first round against Rublev at the Australian Open, but then never really got going and lost in some challengers too. And, you know, his his two kind of standout performances before this week were both losses against Tsitsipas in a final set tiebreak in Madrid and Wimbledon. And that's kind of all us tennis fans were holding on to as we're clinging on to that hope that, you know, maybe this is a sign the team is finally starting to compete with the best players again. But I just hope as a fan of tennis and a fan of a fan of his, especially because of how how uh, how much he adds to the game when he's at the when he's at his best, um, particularly like we saw in 2019 and 2020. Uh, so it would be good to see him build on a run like this. And I, I just hope it wasn't kind of that one outlier run. And he can actually, I think he's, where is he at in the rankings now? 89. Yeah, 80, no, 89, 84. 84. 84. Yeah. Wow, okay. I think he was so he's 116. broken back into the top 100. Uh, and that would help getting him a direct entry uh, into slams. Interesting parallel there with 32. That means he, yeah, he moved up 32 spots, which is, mm-hmm. it's been 32 months since that last final. Yeah, we were talking about Andy uh, potentially being seeded uh, for the US Open. And, you know, that that kind of took a beating in Washington that there was a winnable match that he lost. Could have made it deeper. Um, yeah. But, yeah, with the upcoming tournaments, um, I just wonder where he does make it because well he got Gasquet was it two years ago right two years ago he got Gasquet I think uh, last year he beat Wawrinka in a pretty epic one in Cincinnati um, I'm not sure what his result was in Montreal or if he, if he even played Montreal oh uh, yeah he did he lost to Fritz badly there actually he's not in a good place then he lost to Fritz right. uh, one and three in Montreal last oh, yeah. year so this was the second time those two played mm-hmm um, yeah, but yeah, no, so, I think he needs a really good result. I, who does he play in Montreal again? Toronto. Uh, let me see. Uh, oh yeah, Toronto. Uh, who does he play? Let's. I mean, this is also a good segue because oh, Sonego. Yeah, tough. Sonego in the first round. Yeah, I guess actually before we do the Toronto preview, I think we should give Bias some love. This was yeah. his third career title. Uh, yep. You know, and he, obviously, you know, you could say he took advantage of a tired team, but he played really, really well in the final. He was really imposing. He 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 dictated play with his forehand, which is one of his best best shots. Doesn't have the biggest serve, obviously, but tremendous movement on a clay court, and uh, you know, just 
kind of is one of those players like a Diego Schwartzman, although they're, you know, he's more forehand centric and Diego's more backhand centric. But mm-hmm. they're both players who just love love clay, who love playing this time of the year and in, in the golden swing, and that's where they rack up a lot of their points and they're Yeah, they're, I have to also really mention Baez has a much better surf than Diego. Oh wait, say that again. I think you got cut off. Oh yeah, I mentioned. I wanted to say that uh, Baez is a much better serve. Yes, he does have a better serve in forehand than Diego. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and it was actually one of the things that happened in the final. His team was, you know, eight feet behind the baseline to return serves, which uh, which is you know obviously something he team does, and he just gets back on the baseline and he hits. That's how he's. That's how he likes to get the point started, just with a lot of height and depth. And so he can unload on second serve returns. But against Baez, he probably wanted to move closer in at some point and take some of those second serve returns early just because he is sore. He can just be so much more overpowering if he does that. And he's just in a much more advantageous position. But obviously, you know, he was fatigued. And I, I just thought Baez was just so steady the whole time and never really made many errors and held serve pretty comfortably and was all over team serve. And that's why we got kind of a one-sided result. But Baez also did really well this week to beat Echeverry, who was the number one seed in the semi. That was a really close semi, and it kind of came down like the Andy and Fritz match did to one poor game at 4-all in the third for Thomas Martin. But um, yeah, Baez, I think the question for me is just, what is he going to do outside of the hard, outside of the clay courts? Because his record on hard courts is uh, is nowhere near as good. I think he's 6-23 and or something like that in the last Ooh. year. And okay. It's, yeah, it's it's just uh, he just and he's losing a lot of close matches. Some of them, and some of them, he's getting absolutely blown out by the best players. Which, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, he's still young and he has time to kind of change that that narrative about him or around like Diego did, you know. And yep. so I think it'll be interesting to see if his game actually can translate because I can't think of any other reason why wouldn't. I mean, we saw him play a really good match against Alcaraz in the first round yeah. of the U.S. Open last year before he had to retire. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd love to see him. Yeah, also, uh, against Nitsi Pass last year at the Australian Open, was, I think the first three sets were really tight. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah, they did. he did play Nitsi Pass second round or something at the Australian. Yeah, that was a good uh, that was a good showing. Yeah, I just hope he, we see more matches like that where he can just build on it and, you know, at least win a, win a round or two in every big tournament on a hard court. But uh, yeah, uh, what else from? No, I think I think that about does it for Kitchable. I think we can just move on to looking at Toronto with the top two seeds, yep. Alcaraz and Medvedev. Uh, I think I mentioned yeah. this to Eric already that Alcaraz is playing the winner of Zapata Morales or Ben Shelton, and then potentially he could have mm-hmm. Urkacz. Round of sixteen, I think quarters potential is Runa. Mm-hmm. Semis. Yeah, Urkacz plays Bublik uh, in the first round. And yeah, Hulkach and I mean Bublik and Alcaraz, that would be fun. I just don't know what to expect there. Yeah, for sure. And we already have play underway actually right now. We have um a lot of good first rounds today is yeah, yeah you're right. Quite a few. And I know it's a playing a Canadian. Good to see Raunich back. Um yeah. He's uh yeah, hopefully he's healthy and he plays well. Monfils and Eubanks, another popcorn first round. Bublik, Bublik, Herkaj, like you mentioned, Davidovich, Fukina, and Wolf. 
Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Nakashima and the Hachika. It's going on right now. It's the, the, they're in the first set, and that's the yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. It's of, uh, but yeah, Musetti Nishioka, like you mentioned, Berrettini plays Barrer. Yeah, he just Berrettini spoke about how he sort of went into depression last year or so because mm. of repeated injuries and that affecting his form. But then we know that when he's healthy, it doesn't really matter so much the draw because he yes. came through a pretty good draw in Wimbledon. Uh, I mean, pretty difficult draw, I should say, and pretty well in Wimbledon and pushed Alcaraz that took a set off him in the fourth round. Mm-hmm. And that was a commendable result. And I think he's back uh, to a spot in the rankings where he still can be seated at slams and, you know, could potentially play... You know, some of the one of the top guys as early as the third round. Um, so yeah. yeah, and that again depends on um whether or not he moves up even more. Uh and he he does have a lot of points to defend there. Um, so that's kind of uh there's some kind of pressure there for sure. He's quarter he was the mm. quarterfinalist last year. Um yeah. I that that is one of his best slams. I mean, semi-finalist in 2019 and quarter finalist. Uh, last couple of years, fourth round in 2020. So yeah, he he does feel comfortable there in New York. Uh, strangely enough, yeah. he's not won a title yet on the surface, but you know he he's still really good. Um, but yeah, I think uh, you know it really depends on the results that he has, and he can definitely be a tricky opposition for anyone. And um, yeah. There are other matches too, like Musetti and Nishioka. Musetti, who's, you know, I think now in the, it's firmly in the top 20. Um, he's having good results uh, across surfaces now rather than just yeah, play. Since Monte Carlo, I think that was, a, that was a turning point for him, that tournament. Yeah. Beating Novak and then making the semis in Barcelona. Um, I don't know what he did in Rome. I know he made the fourth round in RG lost to Carlos. Yeah. Um, Pass losses in Rome and Barcelona. Oh yeah, he lost yeah. to Pass in Rome as well. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So he's a he's kind of another one who's been kind of like Dimitrov, like he's been running into the top players and then Yeah. Um, but winning a couple of matches each tournament. So yeah, you're right. He's kind of a farm top twenty player now. Just Transiting with lots of surfaces. Uh, Sonego and Murray is another pop. I guess, uh, want to just do some predictions? Sure. Um, you know, uh, we could speak about Dimitro as well for a second. Because, um, it, it's always just a matter of if he wins one of these matches that he's losing, what, what would happen? But then again, he's just so unpredictable. So you just... We can't always just say, "Oh, yeah, if, if you know something would open up the floodgates or anything like that." But yeah, um, just to say that probably he's having the best season since his career, best season six years ago. Um, Dimitro, yeah, yeah, I definitely agree yeah. with that. I think it was Gil Rose yeah. who tweeted, "Yeah, he's having the best year since 2017." That that's yeah. correct. Yeah, yeah, because I mean he has done pretty well in the Slam so far. And, uh, yep. Again, uh, he's still yet to win a title since uh, London 2017, the ATP Finals. But yeah, um, we will have to see. But still, it's still a dangerous floater for anybody. Yeah, we can go to predictions. Um, 
Yeah, uh, I guess. I don't know. If I look at this top half, like I'm just curious to see how Alcaraz comes out after Wimbledon, obviously. Uh, you know, last yeah. year he was... That he was that was he was a top seed at the Masters event, and he admitted that mm-hmm. that pressure kind of of being the best of suddenly being you know the top seed got to him a little bit, and he lost to Tommy Paul in the first round where he had a match point. But this week, uh, he has another yeah, difficult draw. Here. And again, it's not a difficult draw anymore because he had a nightmare draw at Wimbledon. He had a nightmare draw at Indian Wells. He seems to have a nightmare draw in almost every big title that he does win. So yeah, him, I mean, it's, it's only a nightmare on paper because then we yeah. we expect a close match and then you know he progressively just thumps them. Uh, same same at RG. I mean, Musetti. We thought that was the uh, you know blockbuster clash and he was routed. Um, yeah. Um, and so was Sitsipas. Um, right. <laughs> obviously, it took what happened against Novak and Novak himself for him to lose there and. Yeah, the, the way he, the way we don't even fixate on that as much because he went went on to win another slam, beating Novak. That's kind of uh, impressive because and then you wonder the only way. Uh, sometimes it's probably down because he has reached the pinnacle. Uh, we're we're now talking about him. You know, when exactly is he going to do complete that career slam? Uh, uh, yeah, um, I can just pull up the draw. Um, as John is requesting me to uh, make sure to get the printable one. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That would be good to have the draw on the screen, actually. Uh, yep. I'm trying to see what else is possible. Some possibilities. Uh, obviously, Alcaraz could play Herkach. Herkach would be probably good user good result this week. I don't know if this is a good view. Uh, I don't think anyone can see yeah. it, so <laughs> I think you'd have to zoom in. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, well, oof. Uh, uh, where did that go? Oh uh, yeah, but ah, okay, got it. Get that, I Yeah, I just pull the tab out and then just right. I'm just gonna okay. We'll go half by half. Um, right there. Okay, wait, no. Okay, oh my god. What's happening? <laughs> no, I knew it was a pretty bad idea to switch browsers, but okay. There we go. Right, okay. Um did it just Okay, I'm just gonna all right there this there. there we go. Okay. Yeah, if you want to just zoom in a little bit, I think people can see it better than the previous yeah. one. It's still a little bit small. Okay, yeah. Oh perfect. Yeah, now we can see it. Look for section by section then. Um, okay, yeah, we'll go. We'll do it by eights. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, anything in the in the top eight that really stood out? I guess the popcorn match here is the Bublik and Herkach because yeah, um, or we also maybe potentially Shelton and Alcaraz. 
again yeah. only because we talk about shelton and uh, sort of having plateaued since that australian open quarter final run uh can't think of any significant result um no, since no. It's, it's been been tough since australia he hasn't had any any yeah. big, I, mean, i don't think he's even won two matches in a row yeah and uh, yeah exactly and then there was that video of him in Eubanks I think chatting that went yeah. viral I'm pretty sure you saw it too uh, where he's talking about how he wants to be the player when you know people other players see him in the draw they'd be like terrified um yeah. it's hefty talk for the moment but nonetheless we'll we'll see um if he puts that uh, yeah uh, you know to anything here um okay uh well yeah, yeah we we've not seen him for a while and he managed to qualify it's pretty good he had a good sunshine double um and also right. yeah maybe around that period he was playing pretty good tennis uh but yeah like, he's playing Kitsmanovic okay so again Kitsmanovic is another player who's had a pretty tough season um yeah apart from that delray beach final he yeah. is missing the the kind of success that he had in the first half of 2022 mm-hmm. when he got to the fourth round he took djokovic's spot in australia and then he got to the fourth round there and then he had that awesome sunshine swing where he beat fritz in miami and then played one of the matches of the year against alcaraz and then even yeah it was, it was really close upper set and you know seven six in the third that was yeah. a curve on either way um, <laughs> you know you never know that that would have opened up miami um yeah. and you could have probably possibly seen gasper rude being a masters champion um but yeah anyway uh, yeah. so yeah that's that yeah. section so that, um, there's that I, i think you know hopefully we get a i would like to see her coach alcaraz again Mm-hmm. Or Bublik, really, honestly, either one of those in the... Yeah, that would be fun, honestly, because we've seen Hurkac and Alcaraz. Uh, yeah. Bublik, again, you know, that Hurkac would be... much as right now are a, are a bit of a tough watch, <laughs> just because yeah. Yeah, he's, he's just not breaking serve very often, and it's just not... This is nothing to, like... It's not, like, great mm-hmm. tennis to really digest. It's, it's very kind of... It's true. It is true. Um, so, yeah, that being said... Tommy Paul and Diego Schwartzman. Uh, yeah, Schwartzman was qualified, right? Yeah, did well in qualifying. You need to get Very Tommy Paul. Very expensive to qualifying, but uh, hopefully he can just build on this. Yeah, Paul, he can. I hope. Yes. Uh, Tommy Paul has not had the best of time, I would say, since the Australian Open semis. Yeah, since Akpoko, right? Or yeah, since Akpoko. Uh, No, maybe since maybe even maybe since Miami because I know in Indian Wells he had that really good match against Felix. Yeah. Where he had the sixth. Uh, Miami, Miami was, we got Alcaraz. to the fourth round, lost to Alcaraz. Yeah, but since then you're right. Like it hasn't been, it hasn't been great. Just that one challenger against Wimbledon where he made it deep, right? I don't know. Yeah, which the one. week before Wimbledon he lost to Serendipo in the grass court final. Ah uh, yeah, yeah. They they played twice in in Queens and also yeah uh, Eastbourne, was in Eastbourne. And then they were on collision course uh, playing the third round in Wimbledon, and uh, Lehechka beat them both. So yeah, um, yeah. Anyway, um, right. 
this match is going on. Serundolo and Galarno. Uh, if that's yep. how you pronounce it. Um, uh, yeah, Holger, pretty good draw for Holger, but I can see that match against Rusu Wari get interesting. Uh, Rusu Wari, yeah. I mean, he's, just, he's such a he's a carbon copy of Sinner, and you just wonder why he hasn't had the same kind of success. It's just yeah, he's like a poor man Sinner. He just doesn't move as well. Doesn't <laughs> oh, wow, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. I mean, like, like he's, um, a good, he's a great player, but he's just like he's one of those power base signers that's, um, like he he doesn't like if plan A isn't really working, then he just he sprays a lot of errors. I feel like he's, but like when he's clicking, yeah, he's kind of like Yeah. Yeah, but uh, he's twenty four already. Um, yeah, it feels weird know. to call him like a baby sinner just because he's so much older than. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> two years older, and it feels like he's a lot older also. Uh, I remember hearing of him first when he absolutely clocked team in Davis Cup. It was 2019. Oh, 20. yes, yes. I do um, remember that. After the US Open. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, but it would be cool to see, like, for instance, Sarundalo against Runa again because they have that roller coaster match in RG. Mm-hmm. Where, where Rona won really ugly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember. Seven six in the fifth, kind of yeah. similar match against Fukina that he came through. Just didn't have much left in his tank to match up to Alcaraz. But now that he is in Alcaraz's squadder, we hope for a better match. And he also mentioned that he wasn't one hundred percent health wise. Um. So yeah, let's just hope uh, they play each other and they have a pretty good contest. In that there yeah, we have it. Okay. Um, again. Um, right. They're also practicing together right now, which I just saw on Twitter. Uh, right. So yeah, that's the first quarter, um, and then this is the Sitsipas quarter. Sitsipas could play Eubanks yeah. again. Although I think Gilmore Fish is going to be a tough match for Eubanks. I actually don't. Yeah, but I expect Eubanks to come through. Um, yeah, I actually when I checked the odds, Eubanks was a slight favorite. But that's, I mean, sorry, no, Gail Monfils was a slight favorite. Interesting. But yeah, Eubanks uh, yeah, beats Tsitsipas the only time they played. That was not very long ago. Um, but yeah, that that would be interesting if they played again. Uh, yeah, in this section, I have my eyes on Dimitrov and I have my eyes on Korda because Korda lost to Shevchenko in DC and he has a lot of chances. Yeah, I mean, that. Korda, I think um, he's yes. honestly being overrated at the moment. Um, he had a he had a great start this season, but even when he has come back, he's yeah, been the highs have been really high, but the lows have been really low. That's kind of my take yeah. on him. Because, yeah. Um, um, but it, it's yeah, weird it, because like, I mean, he came back in Madrid and he was. He was clearly like still not hundred percent until mm-hmm. the grass, uh, and then and then he had that excellent run in Queens, and then we thought and then we were all hyping him up for Wimbledon, and I I bought into it, and yeah. I thought he was going to get to the semi. So many other people, and then uh, and then he crashes out to Vesely, who in fairness is a very tough player, mm-hmm. and who always beats a, a bunch of seeds uh, at Wimbledon. But yeah, the problem yep. is uh, when his game is not working, like his forehand just sprays all over the place. Um, yeah, that's true. The consistency isn't quite. Yeah, there. again, you know, players like Korda, Sinner, Rusuvori, they seem like 
when they're out of ideas, all they try to do is go for big, bigger. Um, yeah, I guess Felix is also like that. Who's... Felix, yeah. Felix, yeah. I would say, is getting figured out um, if you if you look at this season. Um, I mean, I know he's had his um, I think it's been injury-related since Miami. But yeah, I think it's not been the first tournament um, where he was like, okay, fully healthy. I think he said, yeah, where, is he, where is he in the race again? Somewhere looking 30, 40. Very low. I think outside the top. Or 50, 30. even. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. So he, he very badly needs a good result. Who does he play in the in his first match? Felix plays. Um, Purcell. Who, oh, by the way, yes. beat him at the Olympics in the very same round. Ah, okay. Yeah, it was supposed to be Murray and Felix, but Murray would. That is a match he should win, but then I could have said that about. Uh, I could have said that about when he was too. I could have said that about DC against uh, Wadanuki. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I, I don't yeah, know. I, I think I feel the best about Dimitrov here, just because he's he's in he's been in good form all year. Yeah. Also, yeah, Felix is forty-eight in the race. Not good at all. Um, and we're yeah. closing into the end and. It does make sense. He has so many points to defend after U.S. Open. Uh, yeah. Even right, last year, he made the quarters. He made the quarters in Montreal. He just got blown out there. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, so, he yeah. some fun in Toronto because this quarter is a potential quarter of death. You have. Sinner, Felix, and then the likes of Berrettini, Murray, and so on, so on they go. And the other two as well are pretty tricky customers. Purcell and Barrer. Yeah, Sonego is a tough first round for Murray, but I actually expect Murray to win it. Uh, and uh, the question is what... Yeah, this could be a good chance for Murray actually to get two matches in. Uh, potentially, be. yeah. Um, yeah. He's not done well historically against Felix, but yeah, that that's the thing. If Felix is really on, and if he's playing his best tennis, then I think it'll be too much. Yeah, but For what him. is Felix's win loss anyway? It's what 13, 13, something of that effect. Yeah, not great this year. The only good result for him was Indian Wells. Yeah, thirteen and thirteen. And yeah, most of those wins came with the Australian Open and Indian Wells. I thought those Medvedev matches would be a, a turning point, but he wasn't really that close to winning them, and then he lost. Uh, yeah, I mean Doha yeah. was actually pretty tight yeah. in the second set. Yeah. He had those set points. Yeah, that's right. Um, six four seven six. Yeah, that set points. Yeah, uh, but yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, since Indian Wells. It's yeah. been tough. I would like to see Berrettini and Sinner. I don't think those two have ever played each other. Have they not? That's wild. Have they? Have they never played? Actually, I don't think. Yeah. They, I don't think we've seen a single match between Berrettini and Sinner. I will confirm that right now. Let's see. That is wild. They've they've been on the yeah, tour for a while. I don't think they've played. Not. Nope. They haven't, right? No, and to think wow. that. Okay. Sinner was the alternate who replaced Berrettini at the ATP Finals two years ago. Yeah, I, I'm curious about Jerry too. I think Jerry could have a big week, but it's uh, who does he play? Yeah. Jerry plays Umber. Oh, that's a that's a pickup. Jerry and Umber. 
to play Fritz. That's a tough draw mm-hmm. for the number eight seed. Because Jerry's been yeah, in great form. So what do you expect from this quarter? But I, yeah, it's hard to see an upset in any of the quarters so far, except maybe Tsitsipas. But maybe. Uh, I mean, if Eubanks was red hot for the second time in a row, maybe. But, mm. but uh, yeah. it's. Yeah, him anyway. against. Oh, um, and then also the turnaround from Mexico. The conditions to here will be will be a bit of an adjustment, but also he has the confidence of having the title. Yeah, and now we have this quarter. Rublev, yes. Karatsev. I hope and we get to see. I hope we get to see Rublev Tiafo again. Mm. Because, yeah, they played each other at the last two U.S. Opens, and Tiafo won them both. Yeah. Yeah, last uh, year Tiafo won in straights. The year before Tiafo won in both of them, because yeah. Rublev has the higher floor, but Tiafo has the higher ceiling right now. Uh, yeah. on, on the hard courts in America. True. So let's see if uh, let's see if Rublev can get to another, can make one more step forward. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah, Rublev, Tiafo. I would probably go with Tiafo, but again, Tiafo was not very long ago when he got blown out by Dimitrov in Wimbledon. Also, watch out for Ronit just because he's playing at home and if he's healthy. <laughs> yeah, that's he's, true. He's a guy who doesn't need much time to come back and nope. And yeah. saw that already in grass when he took out Kachmanovic. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, and then Zverev so... against Creed Spore. They played each other in Rotterdam. Uh, yeah. Spore won that. And yeah. Kingsport is coming off of a final in DC. Yeah. So he might be he might be fatigued, he might be a bit tired, but he he can definitely yeah, but, you know, he's still putting together a season of some sort. And you know, he's he's at a career high of twenty-six. So comfortable yeah. enough to be seated for US Open. Um yeah, by the way, I do think he was seated for Wimbledon as well. He was Medvedev's third round. Um yeah. but um again. Fokina and Wolf, which again I think is going to happen today. Nakashima and Lehechka is taking place right now. Winner plays Rude. Yeah, Nakashima is up 5 3, serving for the first set. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's good news for you. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I always love to see yeah. him do well from San Diego. And- yeah, Nakashima and Rude would be interesting. Um, yeah. And of and course. He once before, and that was in Enclay in Barcelona. That was not a, not a close mm. match at all. Right, as as we could expect with yeah. rude on play. Um but um, I oh yeah, I mean even if it's very rude in the third round, expect rude to win this. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in form. Uh yeah. Zverev won it will be interesting to see because now you know he won Hamburg, but he didn't really play anyone in the top fifty, is that right? I don't think he played anyone mm. in the top fifty in Hamburg. I don't think so. So It'll be interesting, and he doesn't have a top 10 win yet, so yeah, not yeah, it'll be interesting that's true. to see him And he only has one top 15 win that's against Tiafo and RG, and yeah, every other win has been against players outside like, the top looked, 25. He looked really good in Hamburg, but like, I don't know how he will look against the very best. So, by the way, what was um, uh, Demino's what is Demino's ranking right now? I see like. 18, 17, something like that. Let's see the exact ranking right now. Because I he know that Sitsipas going into Los Cabos didn't have a 
top 15 win for the season. Yes. So uh, does that still stand? <laughs> is the question. I'm just, I'm just having a look at him. No, he, he, still, he still doesn't because he lost. He, uh, he beat Diminor, who was 18, and then he beat... Yeah, Diminor, 19, George, 16. So that's going to have yes, to wait. He did, he did get his first win over Orna. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's going to have to wait a bit more. And... Yeah. yeah. Well, actually, George was 16 last week. Now he's 15, so... Oh. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but, no. but yeah, I mean, uh, I think we're getting close to the end here, so we should probably wrap it up soon. Let's see what else there is about Canada. Maybe some live update or something. No, uh, let's see. Yes, yeah, Rondillo is up a set. Musetti won the first set against Nishioka. Mm. So, yeah, these yeah, matches uh, are all coming uh, in. Right the last two sections in the draw, yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah Fritz, and Nori, uh, Fritz and Nori, the uh, biggest rivalry. Oh yes, yes, we need them to play each other again yeah. because it's six six, and we need a we need a tie break. Uh, yeah, well, the two of the past three Indian Worlds champs. Yep. And yeah, if you ask me, who amongst the two has had a better career so far? I would say Nori. Um. Who has a bigger ceiling? I would say. Oh yeah, Fred. because he does have the what, the semi-final at Wimbledon. Maybe that's what. Yeah, he does. Um, that's true. And Nori has what five titles in general, I would say. But but it's the it's thing, and then I guess yeah, career high. Fred's got to five in the world though, so it's a good debate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he does have the semi-finals in Turin. But I guess, yeah, yeah in terms Nori of Nori, Nori, Nori's been, um, Nori's been in the majors. Ugo Umber and Jerry, that could, I mean, I can see the ball absolutely getting pummeled in that match. Yeah, I have no idea who's winning that. That That is like a, that is a 50-50 because Umber is a bit of an enigma. Yeah. And when he's when he's firing, but like the, the last few weeks have been consistent for him. Like Newport, yeah. Atlanta, he's been making semis. Here he was supposed to play Dimitrov in Washington, then he pulled out. So with injury. So if he is healthy and he has a good record against top ten players, he's seven and seven in his career, which is very healthy. So it would yeah. be interesting to see him play Fritz. That's a tough first round for Fritz. He may not get out of that. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah. Yeah, Fritz, however. Somehow is in the top ten in the race. Well, yeah, because he's won two titles and he won the three fifty points in the United Cup, which helped a yeah. lot. And then semifinals of Monte Carlo, quarters in Indian Wells, quarters in Miami. So he, he was very consistent up until, apart from Australian Open loss, he was very consistent in Monte Carlo. Then he had a bit of yeah. a low until Atlanta, but yeah, he's that's where I think the points come from. He's he's yeah. ninth in the race. I think if he had won against. Greek sport, he would have been top eight. Mm-hmm. But he's like he's always around number nine every time. Right. For the last few months. Yeah, I definitely agree, um, John. Um, yeah, he's not, he I is, would he say Saints. Um, maybe, yeah, Turin was probably an outlier. Losing to Simon and Bercy. Um, I think 
one Tokyo. Okay. It's just Sam's. Uh, you know, I think it's yeah. I think it's like the like the loss at Wimbledon was inexcusable to me against Imer. Two sets to love and a break. Like he, yeah. he can't be losing that. Yeah. And then true. and then Popper was red hot and he had the home crowd and he played really well, but. So like these are matches you you should be winning. So yeah, and also the loss to Brandon Holt last year. Yes, so that's why like the last four slam losses have been disappointing. I think Serendipo the least because yeah, that's fine. I mean at least Serendipo has that clay pedigree. Yeah, which would have been interesting if Fritz won because Fritz did beat Holger in Miami. Yes. Then we were all really excited for the match against Alcaraz, but it just showed that Alcaraz yeah has. Has a very complete game. Yep. Um, and mm-hmm. now progressing to the final section. Yeah, Zhijing Zhang has been interesting to watch this year. He's yeah. He's had a breakthrough year. Mm-hmm. Same with uh, Arnaldi, maybe. Yeah, Arnaldi. Yeah, Medvedev and Arnaldi played in Dubai. I watched that match. If he's at his best here, Medvedev, he should come through. Yeah. I mean, who is his, uh, who's his potential quarterfinal? Is, it, is it Rude? I think Rude. No. Um, oh, is it Rude? It is Fritz. Oh, it's Fritz. Okay. Yeah. 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 They played and Medvedev played Arnaldi in Dubai this year. It's pretty comfortable. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah. Possible, so I think someone was beaten. Medvedev before it was two years ago. Yeah, but I don't know if he has that kind of form now. Oh, Pashpurso, yeah, no, Pashpurso yeah. has been uh, out for a while, but he is playing at home. Maybe, maybe he can suddenly find it. Yeah, hmm? you know, Medvedev and Musetti would be really interesting. Yeah, could be a tough one. Medvedev. Could be. Yeah. I maybe on a fast yeah, think, yeah. not as much, but still. Yeah. Right. Anyway, so that's the draw prediction yeah, time. That is the draw. Um, do you think we're gonna get Alcaraz Medvedev in the final? I guess what are your what are your saying? Right. I think Alcaraz loses before the final here. Okay. Just, you know, he, he probably needs those one or two tournaments to get off that high of, you know, from winning a slam or having a big result. Like last year, he needed those two tournaments going to the U.S. Open. So I do think there are players who can beat him in his section. Um, the So uh, obviously the number two favorite anyway is Medvedev. He has a good enough draw. Um, so, yeah, and then anyone else who I can think of um, Rude, well, you know, he doesn't have the best record against, you know, these top guys, so hard to be that optimistic about him. Um, Fritz and Medvedev played just once on tour level. That was last year in Cincinnati. Medvedev won. I think he had, it was down set points in the first set, but then he managed to win that in straights. Um, and Sitsipas would like his form at the moment. He has gotten some confidence from winning that title. And also, good run at Wimbledon, all things considered. We had him losing earlier than he did. Um, so, yeah, I think Medvedev and Tsitsipas would be looking confident and fresh. 
Um, yeah. Actually, I did my predictions last night. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, for the racket bracket or whatever, and I think I had an Alcaraz Sinner semi. Mm-hmm. And I think in the other semi, I had Medvedev against. It actually wasn't even. It wasn't even Rod or Rublev. I think it was Zverev. Just oh. because I thought that some players would fall in that section and that maybe maybe the confidence from Hamburg or something. And then I had Medvedev getting through and beating Zverev, and then I had Alcaraz beating Sinner. Oh, okay. Right. Medvedev and Sinner, yeah, you would heavily pick Medvedev. Um. Yeah. No, I didn't have I didn't have uh, Sinner beating Alcaraz. I went with Alcaraz at the end. Okay. So I guess you had Alcaraz yeah. winning the tournament. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Like, I, mean, I don't think... Uh, no one's really ready to pick Medvedev against Alcaraz in any match until we see something different. Um, yeah. Um, but but I think that's what Medvedev would, would want. He would want to see Sinner. Yeah, he would to want to see Sinner. But maybe part of him also would want maybe a win against Medvedev, just uh, sorry, against Alcaraz, or even like give him a tough contest. Just so yeah. it would help him because he's like the only big problem Medvedev has in the top ten. I, um, I really want to see Sitsipas against Sinner in the quarters. Yeah. I hope we get to see that. I again want to see Rublev and Alcaraz at some point. Yeah, that, that they would have to. Rublev would have to get to the final for that, yeah. which is here. But yeah, I think we will see it at some point. Maybe in turn, good chance. But yeah, I think that about does it for this week's ATP Weekly. Uh, yep. We're past the one hour, 20 minute mark. Yeah, Good to have yeah. Eric on for the first 30 minutes or so. And then, yeah, we did our usual in-depth analysis. Yeah, it was fun Utah as and always. And, um, you know, let's hope we get some uh, juicy and feisty action in Canada. Uh, I personally am looking forward to Novak returning uh, the fall tournament after. Of course, we'll talk about that next week. Um but yeah, until then, yep. uh, to all the viewers, thanks for tuning in. And thanks, as always, Munch, for uh, you know being, guiding us through the show. Uh, it's always great to uh, get your insights um, and pick of your you know, memory, if you will. And uh, yeah, I will see you soon. All right. Yep. And be, be sure to check in to WTA Weekly. Uh, yeah. Which should be coming up soon after. Yep. And yeah, we'll see you next time on ATP Weekly. Yeah. See if you enjoyed this video, make sure you hit that like button. Don't forget to subscribe and click that notification bell so you don't miss out on all things tennis. Sports Social Podcast Network.